Today's case is about the kidnapping and murder of the only daughter of a popular Taiwanese television star, which illustrates how personal tragedies can quickly become public. This was a case in which many held the police and the media accountable for their ineffectiveness. This led to further losses as the situation spiraled out of control. Let's dive into today's story. This is the devastating case of Pai Xiaoyan. Bai Xiaoyan was the only daughter of Taiwan's talented celebrity Bai Bingbing and a Japanese writer Iki Kajiwara. She had a tall and thin frame of a lady with a short haircut. Even though her parents were famous, Bai Xiaoyan lived a normal life. Her mother Bai Bingbing fondly remembered what a kind and tender person she was. She remembered a time when Pai Xiaoyan offered to show a lost stranger how to get somewhere, and Pai Bingbing had to chase her down and caution her against approaching strangers. You think the worst of people, Mom. Pai Bingbing quoted her daughter's reply in pained voice. On April 17, 1997, 16-year-old Pai Xiaoyan was getting ready to go to school. She had a routine of setting an alarm for her mother before heading off to school. Bai Bingbing remembered how Bai Xiaoyan entered her room and set an alarm on that old ring clock for her. During her half-asleep state, Bai Bingbing watched as her daughter kissed her goodbye and left her room. She saw how much Bai Xiaoyan had grown into a young lady. That thought filled her with warmth and anxiety at the same time. The day went on as usual for Pai Bingbing. At 4 p.m., she was in a recording studio. This was the time when she received a phone call. This one phone call changed the course of her life forever. She picked up the call. On the other end, she could hear a man's slurred speech that sounded as though he was intoxicated. The caller informed her to drive to Changgeng Golf Course. And look for her daughter's belongings, which she had placed on a grave-like spot. He also warned her not to call the authorities. Pai Bingbing tried to keep her composure throughout the call. Her cool and collected approach eventually broke down when her colleague began to speculate with alarm that Pai Xiaoyan might have been abducted. She recognized that her own daughter was in jeopardy, and her maternal instincts took over. She had no choice but to call the police in such circumstances and request assistance. When they arrived at Changgeng Golf Course, it was already dark. The golf course itself was seven kilometers long. Pai Bingbing, a number of her colleagues, and several police officers combed every square inch of the golf course in search of the grave-like site that the mysterious caller had specified. Pai Bingbing wasn't interested in relying solely on the police to conduct the search. For four hours, she walked through trees, bushes, and dense grass in search of any stones that even vaguely resembled gravestones. She searched tirelessly until she was finally advised to wait outside while the police carried on. Pai Bingbing's eyes spotted something as she sat tensely outside the door. Just on the ground near the entryway was something that appeared to be a grave. 
Everyone gathered around the plastic bag that Pai Bingbing was pointing to as she summoned the police to the spot. Pai Bingbing was handed a fork and a pair of chopsticks so she could inspect the item without leaving any fingerprints on it. Inside the bag was a lunchbox that Pai Bingbing recognized as belonged to Pai Xiaoyan. She warily opened the lunchbox and discovered a strange stick inside. Her heart began to race. She trembled as she used the chopsticks to pick it up. When Pai Bingbing noticed a fingernail attached on the object that initially appeared to be a stick, her heart sank. It turned out to be a finger. One of Pai Xiaoyan's fingers was severed by her captors. Also discovered within the box was a note scrawled on a slip of paper from Pai Xiaoyan's writing journal. The note informed Pai Bingbing that in order to get her daughter safely returned, she would need to pay 5 million US dollars. The kidnappers also produced photos of Xiaoyan, half nude and bound with tape, apparently to show their seriousness. Pai Bingbing remained in her house for the following 14 days. She was distraught at the time, refusing to eat or even drink. While preparing the ransom demanded by the kidnappers, she continued to take their calls. The media became interested in Pai Bingbing's absence from the entertainment industry, and the kidnapping became known. The police made an effort to get the media to hold off on reporting on the case until it had been settled. The media was still hungrier than ever for hits. The news of the kidnapping was reported by several media outlets and made national headlines. Some went so far as to park their satellite vans outside Pai Bingbing's property and follow her there with a camera strapped to the front. Police had warned them, but news ratings seemed to matter more than the life and death of the girl. The extent to which the media outlets would go to obtain hot news and ratings was revolting. Pai Bingbing was a wreck, both mentally and physically. All she hoped for was to get her daughter back. It is impossible to fathom how devastated she must have felt when the press printed the semi-nude and tied-up picture of her daughter in front of the magazine. It was a pain that no mother should ever have to go through. When Pai Bingbing sought to deliver the money the kidnappers demanded, she was repeatedly turned down because of the media's stalker-like actions. It was said that the kidnapper changed the meeting location up to seven times. In frustration, Pai Bingbing held a press conference and asked the media to help her find clues instead of trespassing her personal space. The secret extortion effort failed as a result of the case being widely covered by the media. It was one evening when Pai Bingbing received the most dreaded call from the kidnapper. They have noticed that Pai Bingbing violated the prohibition against notifying the police, and they intend to make her regret it for the rest of her life. It was the last call Pai Bingbing ever got from that man, and Pai Xiaoyan had not yet returned. As the call ceased and no information was available about Pai Xiaoyan, the police feared the worst. They suspected that Pai Xiaoyan was either murdered or was going to be killed. A police investigation had been underway since the lunchbox was discovered at the golf course. 
The number used to reach Pai Bingbing was under surveillance, and the police were tracking it. Unfortunately, this was more challenging than they expected. Yang Zijing, the director of the Criminal Investigation Bureau at the time, claimed that kidnappers typically use at least three numbers to terrorize their target in exchange for money. However, the kidnapper in this instance called from more than 10 different numbers. Yang Zijing believed that the kidnapper was using a particular illicit phone that was built to enable callers to use various numbers. Due to this, the tracking attempt almost failed. A week had passed since Pai Xiaoyan vanished. The police were able to make small progress in their investigation. A number that was being used to call Pai Bingbing was linked to Lin Chunsheng, a convicted burglar. They tracked calls made from this number to a number that belonged to two other criminals called Chen Qianxing and Gao Tianmin. The notorious and vicious rapist Chen Qianxing himself was once imprisoned alongside Lin Chunsheng and Gao Tianmin. Subsequently, the police launched an in-depth investigation into the trio's activity. Chen Qianxing had a wife. They identified Chen Qianxing's wife and approached her at her apartment. Initial plans stated that they intended to wait in Chen Qianxing's apartment until he came home then seize him. Unfortunately, Chen's wife shouted at him about the police just as he was about to enter his home, alerting him. The mission failed as Chen ran away. On April 28th, an alarmed resident reported to the authorities that a corpse was floating in a sewer ditch near Zhonggang Dapai. Shortly after the body was found, media outlets publicized the tragic discovery. Pai Bingbing was alarmed when she saw the news at home. She rushed to the site to determine whether the deceased was her beloved daughter. The female corpse was bloated and badly decayed. It was difficult to identify the corpse by itself due to its condition. The head was swollen, there were two large holes on the head, and the eyeballs appeared to have been eaten by fish. Indications of rape and internal hemorrhage that contributed to the death were discovered during an autopsy that was performed later. Around 8 p.m., Bai Bingbing showed up. She glanced at the body, devastated, and claimed it was Bai Xiaoyan. She asserted that she nurtured her, that she was her mother, and that she could identify her daughter even from the shape of her legs. The identity was established when they discovered that a finger had been severed from the body. Bai Xiaoyan's body was found more than 10 kilometers from where she was kidnapped. Investigators said Bai Xiaoyan had been dead up to 10 days before she was found, strangled to death, her battered body weighed down by dumbbells. As it turned out, Bai Xiaoyan was already dead before the media circus started. Kidnappers were still seeking ransom days after the girl was murdered. To convince Pai Bingbing that her daughter was alive, they used an impersonator to make phone calls. During the burial service for her daughter, whose future was stolen by inhumane individuals, Pai Bingbing's heart broke. With tears in her eyes, she hoped her daughter was no longer in anguish or fear up there. Pai Bingbing revealed that she kept a diary in which she expressed her regret for not finding her daughter sooner. As she prayed to Bai Xiaoyan, Pai Bingbing asked her daughter to give her the courage 
to continue helping people in the same way she did. The kidnapping case evolved into a murder investigation. Following the case of Bai Xiaoyan, the three perpetrators went on to commit additional horrifying crimes against multiple individuals. The residents of Taipei City were frightened since the men were still out in the open. Women were reported to dread venturing outside alone at night. People expressed their desire for justice through acts of demonstration in response to the unsolved incident. This forced the police to concentrate their efforts on finding and apprehending these three men. On the 19th of August, 1997, a local contacted the police to report two males acting suspiciously in the area. A team of armed officers was dispatched in response to this information, suspecting that these individuals were two of the men they were seeking. A large number of reporters and others who wanted to record the incident gathered as word of the plan to capture the guy spread. Because of this, it posed a risk to everyone's safety in addition to perpetuating the negative impression the media has created of the police. As the men made their stealthy getaway out of one of the building's windows, police caught sight of them. The individuals were identified by the authorities as Kao Tianmin and Lin Chunsheng. The two wanted individuals started shooting when they realized they were trapped, which started a crossfire. As a result, one officer was injured and another killed. Lin Chunsheng was shot six times. When he realized he couldn't escape, he pointed the gun toward his own head and pulled the trigger. Lin Chunsheng killed himself to escape capture. The remaining suspects were not located despite several hours of hunting. That was until the authorities received a report that dead bodies had been discovered in a plastic surgery clinic a few days later. When a reporter and several police officers arrived on the scene, they discovered that the clinic did not resemble a typical murder crime scene. It seemed as though someone had cleaned up the scene because there was no blood or other signs of a struggle. Walking further into the clinic, they discovered the bodies of two nurses, a middle-aged woman, and a doctor. All of them were slain by a single bullet to the head. More horrifyingly, the nurses showed indications of sexual abuse prior to dying. It appeared that Kao Tianmin and Chen Qianxing had attempted to have plastic surgery performed on them in order to change their appearance. It was unclear if they had killed the people after their task was completed or if they had killed them because they refused to comply. As more lives were lost, tensions among citizens increased and public confidence in the police was gradually declining. On November 17th, it was reported that Kao Tianmin was seen entering a massage parlor. The captain and officer on duty promptly assembled their men after receiving the report. A number of police officers were placed at the top of the building, others at the back, and some were positioned to follow the captain as he explored every floor of the building. They quickly discovered the room Kao Tianmin was in. People in the building tried to flee for their lives when another ferocious crossfire broke out. As he felt besieged, Kao Tianmin raised the revolver at himself and shot himself in the head. With two of the wanted men dead, there was only one left, Chen Tianxing. 
Chen Jianxing knew it was only a matter of time the police would come after him. In desperation, he chose to commit a daring crime. He attacked and took hostage the South African military attaché, Colonel Edward McGill Alexander, and his family at their residence. It appeared that his strategy was to make a deal with the Taiwanese leadership to be freed in exchange for the security of an international relationship. Ho Yoi, the director of the Taipei Criminal Investigation Bureau, showed up at the scene. In an attempt to reason with Chen Jianxing, he dialed the resident's number, which Chen answered. The press was also there. Numerous reporters and journalists showed up to capture the arrest of the last wanted man. However, the phone number of the house was somehow leaked to the press. They began phoning the residents in an effort to reach the infamous Chen Jianxing. At that time, heavily armed law enforcement received instructions to enter the home through the garage. Upon noticing this, Chen started firing. Colonel Edward and his family were wounded by bullets as they were trapped in the crossfire. Commander Ho Yoi put his life in danger by complying with Chen's request to enter the site unarmed to retrieve the injured colonel and the young girl to receive medical attention. Fortunately, both survived. This time, Ho Yoi attempted to convince Chen to release the colonel's wife the younger daughter, and the infant child. Chen responded by requesting to see his own wife first. With the consent of Ho Yoi, Chen's wife was brought to the scene. She was given instructions to persuade her husband to give up and release the hostages. After a successful discussion, Chen Chenxing surrendered on November 19, 1997. Chen Chenxing was found guilty of three kidnappings, ten rapes, and four murders on January 22, 1998. He received five death sentences for his inhumane and brutal actions. While awaiting his execution, he reportedly became a devout man and expressed remorse for what he had done. Nevertheless, no one was convinced of his sincerity or remorse. On October 6, 1999, he was put to death by the firing squad. While the public returned to normalcy after the incident, the repercussions of the killer's actions still lingered in the aftermath, leaving some people permanently changed. Though the tragedy has passed, the sadness, grief, and pain it caused by Bing Bing and other families who have lost their loved ones remain in their hearts long after the events occurred. It was reported that Pai Bingbing received vile comments from her haters, telling her to go die like her daughter. A number of ministers resigned in response to public outrage. People were dissatisfied with their government's inability to safeguard them. Due to their lack of ethics and inadequacy in handling the matter, the media also came under criticism. Numerous malpractices increased fatalities. When the case was first leaked, the police spent more than 12,000 US dollars to buy all copies of the magazine containing confidential information. Would Pai Xiaoyan and the other victims have survived if the media hadn't covered the situation unethically? Unfortunately, we can only speculate if the victims' fates would have been different if the media acted differently. However, what is certain is that they deserve better treatment 
and such coverage had a huge impact on the lives of those involved. That's all for today. Thanks for watching.